Grace and mercy and peace be yours this morning, from God our Father and from Jesus Christ our Savior too. What does straw have to do with grain? Even if you're not a farmer, you can probably answer that question, right? Uh, some ways are the same. They're about the same color when they're harvested. They're kind of this gold and brown color. They come from the same plant. So if you plant wheat or barley, some other cereal crop, or crop like that, they grow together. But the, the straw is when you cut the top off the grain and keep that, the, the straw in the bottle gets, uh, gets baled. Uh, but there are differences too, right? The grain on the top is going to get shipped off somewhere to be ground up into flour, baked into bread. Straw, uh, you might feel a little bit of it to animals, but most it's going to be used for bedding and things like that. Now, if not there already, turn back to page 9 and what God says through the prophet Jeremiah, because that's where that question came up. What does straw have to do with grain? But if you'd skim through it again, even though it's there, that's at the end of verse 28. What does straw have to do with grain? God's main point this morning is not about agriculture, it's about his word. And how there's a difference between those who speak from him and those who don't. Kind of like a difference between straw and grain. It's, it's a question about what source of religious truth are you going to put in your spiritual stomach? Because there are a lot of people claiming in this world to speak from God. Christians, non-Christians. Even within the Christian church, you must have noticed that there are plenty of people saying different things, sometimes even that contradict with each other. And when so many people claim to speak from God, so many people claim to have the truth, how do you decide what should be on your plate and what you should eat? And even as we wrestle with that, that was the same thing that the people at Jeremiah's time had to face. He lived about 600 years before Jesus. This was just when Jerusalem and Judea, that, that area, they were getting weaker and weaker, and all these foreign empires were coming in with massive armies, uh, and there was a real danger that Jerusalem was going to get destroyed. In a time like that, people were longing to hear a message from God, but the biggest threat wasn't the Babylonian army coming with Nebuchadnezzar. It was the fact that there were a lot of people claiming to, to speak from God. There were a lot of prophets who were preaching at the temple, and all of them were saying they spoke in the name of the capital L-O-R-D. Did you see that name for God throughout that section here? That's the name in the Old Testament for the one, the one true God. Jehovah or Yahweh, the, the one God who never changes, whose grace always stays the same. Everybody was speaking for Yahweh. Everyone was saying, I know what God says. But they were contradicting each other. The majority of the, people were, of the prophets were saying, God's very happy with you right now. He loves you. Jeremiah and some of the others were saying, God actually is, is very angry at the fact that you're sinning against him. The, the majority were saying, no, you're not sinning against God. Jeremiah was saying, yes, you have been. The majority were saying, you are going to have peace. Jeremiah was just saying, watch out, God is warning he's going to come and destroy the city. The majority were saying, we should fight back against the Babylonians because with God on our side, we're going to win. Jeremiah was saying, no, God actually says you should surrender and go willingly into captivity because that is what God's will is for you right now. Everybody's speaking for God. How do you know who to listen to? Who's telling the truth? God knew. And that's where the verses start out today. So if you skim through the first two, it's one of the key passages in the Bible about how God is everywhere. God says, if you're close by, I'm there. If you're far away, I'm there. Do you think you can say anything in the whole world and I won't hear it? Which can be a wonderful comfort for us when we're going through a hard time and, and, and know God is by our side. But 
when you're sinning against God, that's a pretty scary thought. And God here says, I'm the one who's everywhere, and I know that these prophets are lying. God says, I know what my message is, and I know that they're not saying it. I know that what they're speaking is mostly a lot of dreams. In fact, they're stealing from each other. They're stealing dreams from each other, but most of it is not my, not my word. What does straw have to do with grain? God asks. You see, God said there was a big difference between the prophets who actually spoke for him and the ones who claimed to but, but didn't. Part of it was straw, that's the false teaching, right? Part of it was, was grain. Those false prophets were preaching nothing but straw, and the sad thing is most of the people were eating it up because it's just what they wanted to hear. That message that said, you don't need to repent. There's going to be peace. Don't worry about anything. God is going to back you no matter what. That's exactly what everyone wanted to hear. But that was a straw. What people needed to hear was the fact they needed to repent and turn to God. Uh, and yet a lot of those, those prophets were filling the people's bellies with straw. The fact is, that's the same thing going on in the Christian church today. There are plenty of people speaking for God, plenty of people who bear the name Christian. And if you look at what people say, the, the, the Nicene Creed we all confessed just a little bit ago, you could find some Christian preacher out there who's going to deny just about every line in that creed. That God really made the earth in six days? That Jesus was really God himself? That he died for the sins of the world? That he, he bodily, phys physically rose from the dead? That the Holy Spirit... That's God's word in the Bible, inspired by God, that baptism brings the forgiveness of sins. You'll find people who bear the name Christian who question just about everything the Bible says. So it sure would be nice, wouldn't it, if you could walk into any Christian church this morning and be guaranteed that you'd get grain and not straw. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? But you can't assume that. And it sure would be nice if you could assume that any Christian book you buy off the internet is going to come with this gold foil sticker on the cover that says, straw-free guarantee. But you can't assume that either, can you? There are differences between the messages even Christians are saying about God's word. And sometimes people wonder, why is it that there are so many different Christian denominations? It comes down to this. Some people are mixing a little straw in with the grain. Even within the visible Christian church, it's so easy for human thoughts and human ideas and human, human dreams to take the place of God's word. And I wish I could say to you today that, well, at least the Lutheran church has escaped that, right? Uh, but that's not true either. I could find plenty of Lutheran churches that a hundred years ago preached a lot more grain and today are preaching straw. Uh, three weeks ago, there, there was a convention of the largest Lutheran church body in America. It was actually over here in Milwaukee. There was a resolution on the table to declare that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. On the stage behind them, they had people from every world religion they could find uh, saying that we're going to call these people our, our interfaith siblings. And there was a guy who went to the mic and said, you know, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What we're about to pass here, this, this is inconsistent with Scripture. And the next person at the mic said that they were very embarrassed that he would say that, and they went ahead and passed it. A church that would say that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. 
If you look at our, our, our church body, the Wisconsin Synod, is it a guarantee that if you're in a Wisconsin Synod church, or if you've got a pastor like me who went to our seminary, that therefore there's never going to be any straw mixed in? I hope that you do trust me and our church that we're going to teach you God's word. That's what we want to do. But it's so important what you put in your spiritual stomach that I hope you don't just assume that everything you're ever going to hear is always going to be right. Could straw sneak in here or there? It could. And so God calls on all of us to be ready to know what's straw and what's grain. I know a lot of people in our culture would say, well, it doesn't really matter, right? If we're all Christians, let's forget about the rest. But if you go back to the analogy, what's the difference between straw and grain? God's point is not that they're different, that they're, what color it is or where it's grown. The point of the analogy is this. One of those is really good food that's going to fill you up and help you grow. The other one is not fit for human consumption. Uh, for me, I'm very thankful I don't have any gluten issues. I can eat bread all I want. I think every day I probably have some kind of grain going in my stomach, and that's a good thing, right? Uh, grain is something that can fill you up uh, and keep you living. On the other side, can you imagine eating a bowl full of straw for breakfast? <laughs> uh, I called up Jim Batiste yesterday, asked him about straw. He said he does feed straws to his cows sometimes. Mix in about 10 or 20%, although it's not at all for the nutrition because straw has almost no nutritional value. The uh, only reason he mixes in for the cows is to keep things moving through them, just to give them a little, a little more fiber. So I suppose if you really wanted a bowl full of fiber this morning, you could fill up with straw. Uh, but I don't know what you'd wash that down with. I don't think all the yogurt in the world are probiotics. Uh, what, would, what would move that through you? It, it's painful even, even to think about what it would feel like to have straw as what's moving through your system. Back in Jeremiah's time, uh, this is what God says. A lot of the people were living on, living on straw. This message that said you don't need to repent. That there is no danger. Uh, that God promises you nothing but earthly peace. The people ate that up because they wanted to hear it, but what they really needed to hear was the message that said, no, now is the time for you to turn back to God. To turn away from sin and find Him as the one who forgives you and saves you. God promised that He would deliver them even though it might not have been the way that they expected or wanted. Instead, God says here in Jeremiah 23 that these false, these false teachers were purposely leading the people away from God so that they would even forget His name. A couple generations before, the northern kingdom had gone just totally away from God following the God Baal. And God said, I see the same thing happening now. Not with Baal, they're actually using my name, but just as much they're leading the people away from me. And so, when the Babylonian army actually came and was camped outside the city gates, did the people turn back to God? The answer is, no, they didn't. They had so much straw in them uh, that when God's judgment finally came, even then they wouldn't turn back to God. Jerusalem got burned down, the temple was destroyed, people taken into captivity, it was horrible. But even worse than that, I have no idea what the spiritual impact was on those people. How many of those people ended up dying without faith in God, ended up in hell, because they'd been convinced that they did not need to repent of their sins. And how about today? Would you expect anything different when it's straw or grain? You see, whether it's unintentional or intentional, 
things that are false, human thought that takes the place of God's word, that is going to hurt people. Could you stomach a little bit of straw? Physically, I don't know. I've never tried. (laughs) Spiritually, could you stomach a little bit of straw and still keep your faith in God? I don't know, perhaps. I'm, I'm praying that's true because there are Christians in other churches where there's something that teach, church teaches that's wrong, but I'm praying I still see them in heaven someday. They still share my faith in Christ. But, oh. If there's straw mixed in with what you're eating spiritually, you're bound to have some indigestion or, even worse, to get sick or even to die. God says that his word is different. God's word is not what people thought up. God is not, God's word is not what people dreamed. God's word is the word of, of God. And right after verse 28, where God talks about the strong grain, there are a couple other pictures. God says, is not my word like fire? Is my word not like a hammer that breaks a rock into pieces? Human words have some degree of power. They can motivate and influence and, and change people, but... God's word's at a whole other level. God's word has the, the power, like fire to burn, like a hammer to crush, even though that's not always pleasant. And the people of Jeremiah's time found that too. The message from God was a message that was meant to crush their hard hearts, to turn them away from their sin. And you'll find the same thing for us today. You cannot hide behind your excuses or try to justify your sins or say, it doesn't matter what I've done. God's law, like a hammer, is going to pound at your heart until it breaks. And you and I fall down before God and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. But the good grain of God's word that feeds us and builds it up, it's not just that hammer that crushes, it's the gospel too that builds us up. The message God wanted to give through his prophets after the people turned back to him was this, I am still the God who loves you. I am still the God who forgives you. And even though the Babylonians come in, I am still the God who is, going to, who is going to restore you. And for us looking back, we've seen even the next phase of God's plan of salvation for the whole world. It was that Jesus Christ came into this world and lived and died for us. That God was willing to die on a cross to take away our sins, to rise from the dead, to promise us heaven with him forever. That is the message you'll never have people dreaming up. That's the message that could only come from God. That is why God cares so much for you. That's why the mornings are here this morning. Because God does not want you and me to go down this route of empty hope and promises that are based on what people want to hear, but to give you his real promises in himself, in his word. And so, if this is true, and it is, if it's true that God has spoken and we have his word, And if it's true that that is where there's the power to burn and crush and shape our hearts, if it is true that human messages are just going to fill us up with worthless straw, then there's really only one thing we can say in the Christian church, right? Everything that we believe and do is going to be based on the Word of God. And you look back through the centuries, and God's true church has always said that. 1,600 years ago, there was a man named Augustine. He had a famous phrase. He would say, it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what he or she says. What matters is, this is what the Lord says. Back when the Lutheran church started, that was one of the building blocks too. We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone. 
And everything we believe and do is going to be based on, on Scripture alone. And that was a promise I made to you. I don't know how many of you were at that afternoon service a couple years ago when I began my work here as a pastor. Every time a pastor starts his ministry, there are always questions he's asked, promises he makes. Uh, some of them up kind of like this. I believe the Bible is God's Word, and I promise to do the best I can, and God help me. So when I'm preaching a sermon from this pulpit, or if you stick around after this verse for the Bible study I'm going to teach, or if I'm visiting at your home, or if I'm the one who's there at your deathbed, I'm going to bring you the Word of God. Not what I think. Even though you might want me to tell you what you want to hear, I'm going to tell you not what you want to hear or what somebody else wants to hear, but I'm going to tell you what God says. This is my promise to you as pastor. To the best of my ability, I'm going to feed you grain and not straw. And how can you check that? Well, you go home and open your Bible and check to see if what I am teaching you about the Bible is actually from, from the Bible. Take the knowledge you have of God's Word. Keep growing in that yourself because that's how you can decide and you can know the difference between what is straw and what is grain. And finally, that's the way you test anybody. In any Christian church, anyone who says, I am speaking the truth from God, how do you know if that's true? You need to be able to check it against what God actually says in the Bible. Now in a few minutes this morning, we're going to stall a whole bunch of people who are going to teach kids in Sunday school this morning. And I'm hoping the promise that I make as a pastor is also the promise that all of you are making in the different areas of your life too. This morning, the Sunday school story is about how, how, how the world started. How many of you are hoping that our Sunday school teachers are going to teach whatever human opinions are floating around this world about how the world began? I, no, right? That'd be straw. What we need from you as our Sunday school teachers this morning is to tell about how God said he made the world. Uh, to feed our children the grain. And when you and parents go home this week, what are you going to feed your kids? I'm not talking about whether you feed them Lucky Charms for breakfast, or I don't know, maybe they only eat mac and cheese for lunch, right? What are you going to feed your kids spiritually? I'd hope that all of us have this commitment that in our homes, it's going to be the grain of God's word, because... There's more than enough straw floating around in this world, too. So God says, what does straw have to do with grain? In a word, it's, it's nothing. You keep them apart because one of them you eat, one of them you never, you never eat. Sometimes there are going to be times when you or I have our own opinions. God says here, if someone's got a dream, let him share my, his dream, but if it's my word, then speak it faithfully. And I hope that I can make the difference that when it's me just saying, here's my opinion, then I'll say, here's my opinion. If you're sharing opinion, you can share your opinion and say, yeah, that's my opinion. But that when we're dealing with the word of God, that is an entirely different matter. That when God speaks, we just let him speak without adding to it or changing it one bit. My prayer for us here at St. Paul is that we would have pastors and teachers and families who say, we will teach the Word of God and nothing but the Word of God, and that we've got people sitting here this morning who are going to say, give us, give us the grain, not the straw. Give us God's Word and only God's Word. Amen.